Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but they doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the gospel of the Lord. Tis the season for open houses. I never know what the card should say that I give to the graduate. So I looked up some funny ones, and these are my favorite. There's this one, blah, 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 cash inside. It's all the graduate really cares about. There's this one. It's really, you're just doing the bare minimum. And there's another, congrats on fulfilling the minimum job requirement. It's harsh, it's kind of funny, and I probably wouldn't share that one. There's another, it's a little hard to read. Here's a piece of paper congratulating you on earning a fancier piece of paper. One's a little more costly than the other. And then the last one, congrats, grad. Real life sucks. Kind of Kind of true, kind of not, but life can be rough. Maybe you've been to a few open houses already, or you have a couple still to come. On Monday, this past Monday, Caitlin and I went to an open house for a graduating high school senior. He's a remarkable young man. He's excelled in academics and athletics. Socially and spiritually, he is mature beyond his years. And I have every confidence that he will excel, exceed in all that comes his way, no matter what it is. And at his open house, he had a Bible open on a table, and he invited folks to highlight a verse or two as a note of encouragement on his way to college. I had figured that people already highlighted the go-to passages for such an event, for I know the plans I have for you. I can do all things through Christ. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Nothing is impossible with God. I figured all of those were already taken. So I thought about being a smart aleck, picking some obscure random stories like the attack of the she-bears in 2 Kings, or when Ehud killed King Elgin on the toilet. It's in there. I refrained. In fact, I wasn't sure which verse or verses to pick. It made me wonder, what advice do you offer to the overachiever or the underachiever, for that matter? What do you say to the high school graduate entering the workforce or the one going to college or the college graduate? For many, if not most graduates, this is the time that they look forward to, 
And they have so much on the horizon. It's a, the world is your oyster type of moment. And at the same time, you look back at all the accolades and accomplishments and you relish in them. If only for a moment and you allow yourself to feel proud of all that's been done. Yet, in the back or possibly in the front of most graduates' minds, even if they have everything figured out of what's going to happen next, there are all sorts of questions. How hard is this going to be, whatever this is? What do I need to do to start the career that I think I want? What internship or scholarship or degree must I have for the profession I want or to make the money I want or to have the status I want? How will I measure up in this great big world? What they don't tell you at graduation or your first year in college or your first year on the job, or at least what I don't remember being told, is how easy it is to feel lost in it all. To feel like the world is too big, the challenge is too great. You're not doing as well in school as you had, or you aren't producing at work as much as you hoped or is demanded of you. Amid all the change, both in and around you, you begin to see the vastness of the world and you ask yourself, what am I doing? Who am I? The psalmist asks a similar question in Psalm 8. Now, David didn't write the Psalms attributed to him, but we can imagine a young David, a shepherd, keeping watch over his flock by the night. And as he lay in the grass, David stares up at the handiwork of God. He sees the heavens, the brilliant shining stars, the moon and all its grandeur. And in the vastness of it all, the psalmist wonders, much like the graduate, what are human beings? that you, O oh God, are mindful of them? What are mortals that you would even care for them? In other words, how could I, this single, seemingly insignificant soul in the midst of an ever-expanding universe on this one planet, filled with other people, people who are smarter than I am, people who are stronger than I am, who are more productive, more effective than I am, how could I possibly matter in all of that? This isn't a question that only graduates or the psalmist have wrestled with, but I would imagine, would imagine that all of us have wrestled with that very same thing at one time or another. This question is asked in other places in the Bible. Bildad is one of Job's friends, and he gives an answer to that question, saying that humans are nothing more than worms and maggots. Later, the psalmist will say that we are grass, and we simply fade away. Now, neither of those are verses that I would share with a graduate. But here... Here in Psalm 8, the psalmist says something completely different. Here in Psalm 8, God says that you are made a little lower than God's own self. 
and that you are crowned with glory and honor. You are worthy, you are loved, you have dignity, you have power even. Not because of what awards you have won, what degrees you've obtained, or what work you've produced. But because God has bestowed them upon you as a child of God, made in the image of God. You are loved and you are enough just as you are. It sounds so simple, and yet it's scandalous. It's not what our culture screams at us, and it might even be a little offensive. In our society today, we are told and we have often bought into the lie that our worth depends on our work, that we are what we achieve. And it is a lie. And I get it, and it's true that work can give value and dignity, meaning and purpose. That's true. But it is always secondary to the work and word of God who created every human being in their own image, inherently bestowing value and dignity, love and purpose upon each and every person first and foremost. Completely independent of someone's work or production or success, You are loved and you are enough, full stop. Perhaps we see this best in the creation story. That was supposed to be the first reading of today, but it takes like 10 minutes to read through. So we weren't going to endure that. I encourage you, though, to read that on your own outside of this. And what you'll see when you read that first creation story is that God worked six days, created humanity on that sixth day, called it very good. It's the one and only time God does that. The next day, God rested. That in and of itself is remarkable. If you think about it, rest had not yet been created. Up until now, it was only work. Evening and morning, creating around the clock. But on the seventh day, God rested. Trick question, what then is the first thing that humankind does? It's not plow the field. It's not tend to the garden. It's rest. God invited humankind to join in this divine rest, to look around not at all that they had done, not at their production or work, but solely to see all that God had done, to look back and to bask in all of the goodness that God had created in six days. The first gift God gives creation isn't work or a task, but it's rest and grace and love. It's the gift of knowing that apart from what we do or what we do not do, you are given glory and honor by your creator. So the word I would give, the hope or encouragement that I should have shared and still want to share with that graduate whose open house I went to, the word I would share with the overachiever or the underachiever, the graduate thrilled about the job they've landed or the one who's scared to death because they they haven't. 
It's the same word that I would have for retirees struggling to feel worth apart from their work. Or those unhappy with their work. Or those who have been laid off. The word I would share is simply this. You are loved. And you are enough. Just as you are. You are crowned with glory and honor because God made you so. Maybe one day that will be in a graduation card. Amen.